Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Rotowire DFS podcast. Derek Van Riper in for Scott Jensted, joined by Vlad Sedler. Thank God Vlad's here because without Scott, with me in Scott's place, the show takes a big hit. But Vlad is going to carry it as we uh, break down this week 11 slate. Vlad, how's it going? How'd week 10 treat you? Uh, hey, what's going on, Derek? Not too bad. Um, you know, things weren't absolutely perfect. Uh, I completely blew it on Mark Ingram. Uh, just didn't have any shares Just sort of overlooked him. And he was really the key to a lot of, uh, GBP winning lineups this week. Uh, I just, you know, obviously I know what uh, an incredible offense that saints, um, you know, the saints team has been this year, but I just didn't expect them to roll over the bills like that. Yeah. I didn't see that coming at all. And we've since found out it cost Tyrod Taylor, his job, Nathan Peterman, is taking over at quarterback for the bills. The volume for drew Brees is down. It's something that I, I, I kind of speculated as a possibility back in the preseason. When we were talking about this team as one that had three running backs. I mean, with Adrian Peterson still there at the beginning of the season, I thought, is this their way of taking pressure off their defense? Are they going to just try to grind it out with this running game? 
ultimately I landed on no, and that's kind of what they've been doing. So part of it's just the success of the running game and the quality of the defense has put fewer situations out there for Breeze to have to throw it a lot. I don't, I don't know if it's like a real like philosophical change or if it's just the result of actually having a good defense for the first time in what seems like forever. Yep, and the defense absolutely has a big part to do with that. Um, I don't think a lot of people even expected a guy like Marcus Lattimore to just really, uh, it, oh, Marshawn Lattimore, I'm sorry, really uh, figure things out so quickly and and quickly come into that group of top 15 or so uh, potentially shut down corners, you could call them. But, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the Saints are running a lot heavier. Um, you know, I, pass plays as opposed to, to uh, I'm sorry, run plays as opposed to pass plays. And Breeze just, you know, hasn't been that much of a fantasy asset at all this year. I mean, Teddy Ginn had a couple of big games. Um, you know, Brandon Coleman's got in the end zone a couple of times. And Michael Thomas just really hasn't been delivering that first round season long value. I keep waiting for the, the big Michael Thomas game among a few other uh, kind of chalky sorts of things that haven't happened with the frequency that I expected. One thing that ruined me, aside from Devonta Freeman leaving early with that concussion, I mean, that, that kind of stuff just happens. Marvin Jones being quiet against the Browns. I had a lot of Marvin Jones exposure last week, and that backfired in a pretty big way. Yeah, you know, uh, last week, I think uh, Golden Tate was one of the few things that, uh, you know, I was able to uh, actually nail, really like that connection and like the, uh, the matchup that he had, um, you know, in, in the slot. Uh, Marvin Jones, yeah, just one, one uh catch on two targets 22 yards just a real big disappointment but uh, i think as we jump into that game i think there's a potential for him to bounce back in this one yeah let's start taking a look ahead at this week 11 slate panthers colts jets niners on by so not a lot of key players gone i mean after cam's big game on monday night it uh, would have been nice to have him available uh, going into week 11 but i believe it's the last bye week so it's nice to get full slates here on out Starting with the 10 a.m. games for you, noon for me, 1 p.m., of course, if you're on the East Coast and no one cares about the mountain time zone because it never comes up in any conversation ever. It's just, it's just like irrelevant. It's like it's like a part of the metric system that doesn't get utilized, you know, like like hectoliters, like nothing is measured in hectoliters. But technically, you could measure things that way. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's really unfortunate. Um, and there are obviously some great cities in the mountain zone. But unfortunately for uh, for the national audience, nobody cares. Yeah, it's just the, the forgotten time zone, unfortunately. We're breaking things down. Let's start with the Lions and Bears. Lions, three-point favorites going on the road to Chicago. The over-under started at 44. It just dropped to 41 since then. You look at these two teams, and you know, the yards per attempt allowed by both pass defenses is actually fairly close. The Lions at 7.4, Bears at 7.0. And then yards per carry on the ground, 4.0 for the Lions, 3.9 for the Bears. These are two defenses that can kind of just grind it out and the weather's gonna be cold it's not supposed to be rainy wind could be a factor but i didn't see anything that really alarmed me uh, from from that perspective so this could be kind of a, a surprisingly close matchup and the bears have shown us at times this year at home and maybe week one still is just way more fresh in my mind than it should be when they made it really interesting against the falcons they are not a pushover so coming off no. a, a kind of disappointing loss last week to the Packers, you have to think they're going to be fired up for this game. Jordan Howard is the one player I trust in the Bears offense. I mean, the volume is usually there. I thought he would do a little more against the Packers, but this is a slightly softer landing spot for him this week. 
Yes. I mean, you know, first of all, on the Detroit side of the ball and, and just this game in general, I mean, I don't, you know, like you said, I don't particularly see, see it being a uh, very high scoring game, you know, especially in the game in Chicago where the bears typically do play stronger defense. Uh, you know, they're, they're averaging actually 10, uh, you know, DST fantasy points, uh, at home compared to just six on the road. And, uh, yeah, I mean, with, with, with this pass offense, I mean, certainly you can roll out Stafford this week, uh, you know, with either Tater Jones, um, you know, the bears, the one thing the bears are re- have reasonably well held opposing wide receivers from having those big games. So you ha- do see a lot of games of like, you know, seven catches, 90 yards and a touchdown. But if you're just looking at that sort of, you know, that, that marker of a hundred yards, they haven't allowed a hundred yard receiver, uh, back all the way since week three. And that was to Antonio Brown. And prior to that, it was Austin Hooper. And on that one sort of fluke play in week one. So really outside of that, um, they haven't really allowed, um, any big games to receivers. And so something to keep in mind in terms of uh, golden Tate and Marvin Jones. Yeah. The Austin Hooper play back in week one was one of the more fluky plays all season long too. So you can pretty much throw that out the window. Uh, I think that speaks to the quality of what they've done overall, not getting completely torched. Part of it might be the pace too. the bears. One of those teams, they seem like they had the slow tempo, you know, with that fewer plays can be run by the other team because again, clock is being burned out, but Howard's kind of a, a cash play for me. Maybe some GPP mm-hmm. appeal there with him. Uh, the Lions you discussed are all kind of more cash than GPPs, if only because I don't see the high ceiling you'd want to take down a tournament in most of their key players this week. Yeah, and, and obviously Jordan Howard had just 15 carries last week and was essentially a chalk bust. And, you know, it's just it was one of those things where the game got out of hand early. But, um, you know, uh, he, he's okay for me this week. Uh, the one thing I, I'm concerned about is really the upside against a, a pretty strong Lions defensive front. Um, the one thing I will mention is that the Lions are actually tied with the Colts for allowing the second most rushing touchdowns on the air with 10. And so, you know, Howard's definitely somebody in the conversation. Um, you know, usually if, if, if you think the game will stay close, he's in play for cash uh, on the passing side uh, for Chicago, honestly, no interest in Trubisky or any of the receivers. Um, you know, Scott and I did, mentioned Dontrell Inman last week as someone who stuck out at min salary. And I really hope people use him last week for that six for 88. Uh, but this week he's going to be in Darius Slay's coverage. Just something I want no part of. Yeah. The Packers secondary is still a gift that keeps on giving. Um, and Dontrell Inman really exposed that again in week 10. Let's move on to the chiefs and giants. The chiefs coming off a of bye. We know Andy Reed historically, uh, has a lot of success with that extra time to prepare because he doesn't take vacation days. He just bunkers down in the office, orders a few pizzas, and you know, gets on with it. Ten and a half point favorites on the road, over under total in this one sitting at forty five right now. The Giants are one of a handful of teams that it seem like they're kind of in quit mode, right? I mean, they just seem like they've given up on Ben McAdoo, and for me, that makes them very difficult to predict on a week by week basis. But the pricing is pretty favorable on Orleans Darkwa and the chiefs are one of those teams that they've had a lot of success this year. They're explosive offensively, but they're pretty bad defensively. They're kind of like a new version of the saints. I mean, if you think about a weak defense that uh, you could you know, kind of throw running backs and receivers against and not worry too much about it. The chiefs are one of the first ones that should come to the mind for you based on what they've done this season. 
No, absolutely. And, and Darkwa, I mean, the price still is reasonable. Um, obviously he was about 5,300 last week. Uh, he didn't smash, but you know, put in, put, put in a solid effort. Um, one of the few running backs in the league averaging over five and a uh, five and a half yards per carry. He's 5,900 this week. Um, you know, definitely in play. I, I think just the, the only concern here, of course, uh, making him more of a GPP play is the fact is the possibility of the chiefs just sort of running away with this one. Um, and then, you know, as far as the rest of that offense with the Giants, it's really kind of tough to call. I mean, the Chiefs have been gracious to opposing pass catchers the last few weeks, but I just don't know if I'm going to go out of my way for any of these guys. Um, you know, last week was the perfect spot for Sterling Shepard, and he delivered as a chalk play. And uh, and I do think he's got the best matchup of the group this week um, going against Steve Nelson in the slot. Um, so I'd consider running him out again. Um, Evan Ingram, he's been an absolute pleasure to roster, and he's found the end zone in, in four straight games, but it's just really hard to play him this week. Um, you know, unless you're sort of differentiating in GPPs simply because Kelsey is only a hundred more and you've got Gronk and arts in that range as well. Yeah. The, the Kelsey pricing is surprising. I thought Kelsey would be kind of linked to Gronk and Ertz be within a hundred dollars of the lower of those two at worst. And here he is kind of tied to Evan Ingram price wise tight end as a position in DFS this season uh, has been so top heavy there's been the occasional burst from the lower price guys, but I am finding more often than not, I'm not trying to save money there. I'm going to save money elsewhere and pay up for one of the three or four best options. I think Kelsey is perfectly fine, both in cash and GPPs Ingram. The same holds true. The question really becomes, do you want to spend extra on those other guys? And we'll get to them in just a little while as we continue to break down uh, each game here for GPPs. Tyreek Hill is always in consideration. I think Mm -hmm. Kareem Hunt can be used in tournaments. I don't know if I want to use Kareem Hunt in cash, though. And it's it's just been a long time since he's found the end zone. Like, it's remarkable. He hasn't scored since week three, which Mm -hmm. the yardage has been there. The touches generally are there. I think the last game before the bye, that was kind of a a fluke, a bad game plan against Dallas. And Andy Reid's going to make that right. But if the Chiefs run away with this game... Do you worry about Kareem Hunt getting less volume than you'd like because they need to rely on him so heavily in future weeks? Yeah, and it, it's really been a strange phenomenon, especially uh, how little they've used him early in games. I mean, you know, this is going back to early in the season where you just see a lot of heavy usage from Hunt in week uh, in, in the fourth quarter. Uh, I definitely think he's going to go uh, a bit under owned, um, considering, like you mentioned, what a disappointment he's been over the last few weeks. Uh, you know, you already mentioned last time that he scored. On top of that, he hasn't topped 100 rushing yards since week five. And so I think that price at 8,600 is really going to scare some people away. Uh, he is the third priciest running back and, uh, on the slate. And I mean, honestly, I think the game really sets up well for him at pretty reasonable ownership. Uh, you know, of course, Kelsey, I like, um, you know, he comes into play cheaper than Ertz as you've, as you've mentioned. And, um, you know, it, it, what it does is really present us with a little bit of an opportunity to pivot in, in tournaments, especially with the Chiefs favored by ten and a half. And I think if you really kind of want a piece of that offense, uh, and maybe perhaps not go with Kelsey, which you know, of course, this uh, Giants team has had a you know the narrative has continued. I mean, a touchdown has been scored against them by a tight end in every single week of the season. Um, you know, even including Tyler Higby. So 
you know, if you want to differentiate a little bit, it, it might be Tyreek Hill because, you know, again, this is, could be a very nice matchup for him. We don't know what is up with Janoris Jenkins. Um, he definitely seems like one of the guys that, is, that is, has quit. He might still do something to screw this up and find himself inactive by Sunday. And that would leave Tyreek Hill with uh, our weekly whipping boy, Eli Apple. Right. And if you look at it as a situation where you know, Tyreek Hills, we know all it takes is one blown coverage. Well, teams that have given up are so likely to have plays like that. It makes uh, Hill even more appealing. Uh, looking at the Bucks and Dolphins, this one is a pick em, over under total sitting at 40 and a half right now. Kenyon Drake, you know, didn't get a ton of volume carry wise on Monday night against the Panthers, but was very efficient. Uh, had the, the first rushing TD of the season for the Dolphins. Took 10 weeks to happen, but it finally mm-hmm. happened. Still priced very low. I mean, you look at where he's at right now, under $6,000. And I don't expect the volume to be crazy, but at 5600 it's hard to pass up on Drake as a guy that can open up a lot of other interesting possibilities. Uh, I think he makes sense in cash. I think you could justify it in GPPs too. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see, uh, you know, wish he was involved as a pass catcher a little bit, Um, you know, two two targets last week, caught both of them for 10 yards the previous week, six catches for 35 yards, not too shabby. And of course, you know, just seven rush attempts, but 82 yards and a touchdown for Kenyon Drake. And uh, I think he's going to be uh, somewhat popular. I think you'll see him among the top six or so running backs owned simply on price alone, 5,600. And the fact that this Tampa Bay uh, defense um, has really been um, anemic against the run lately um, over the last few weeks. So Kenyon Drake definitely in the conversation for me, uh, especially for cash. And, you know, just in general, I think this Dolphin squad bounces back a bit after Monday night's debacle. And I, you know, this is a game kind of sneakily. I might be actually stacking in tournaments. Uh, Jarvis Landry is a guy who intrigues me uh, very much so for cash. Very luscious matchup against uh, slot slummer Vernon Hargraves and uh, even potentially Devontae Parker. Uh, he could potentially get a hold of one against this 28th ranked DVO DVOA defense. Jarvis Landry has quietly scored a TD in five of his last six games, and he's been getting a ton of targets, double-digit targets in each of those five games as well. The uh, one game that he fell short, seven targets he scored in that game actually too. So heavy, heavy usage for Jarvis Landry, and 6800 is an extremely fair price. Mike Evans coming off that one-game suspension makes Ryan Fitzpatrick a lot more interesting as a, a GPP sort of play. But Evans himself kind of stands out to me when you look at the the crop of receivers this week, just the way the schedule works out. And uh, I mentioned the teams on buyer. That doesn't really hurt wide receiver too much, but it's the Michael Thomas top receiver thing that kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit. He's 8,600. Mike Evans at 7,800 has a much better matchup than A.J. Green at the same price, and he doesn't have the quarterback concerns that you would have for DeAndre Hopkins. I know Hopkins is getting a lot of targets from Tom Savage, but they could go to T.J. Yates at the drop of a hat. So I think with Hopkins, there's quite a bit of risk there, but with Evans, you know there's a pretty big floor with him week to week. So I think he's one of the more expensive receivers that I'm locked in on from this matchup. Yeah, I'm on board with you here. Uh, I think, you know, the big factor here is that, you know, Evans is returning from his one game suspension and it's, it's hard not to love the idea of putting him in your lineup um, ahead of a lot of these players, uh, you know, especially after we saw what Cam and the Panthers did to this team on Monday, uh, you know, 
I actually think this game has some sneaky fantasy goodness. Um, you know, we've got two awful defenses. I do think that 40.5 Vegas total climbs a little bit as we get closer to the weekend. And, uh, you know, DFS, it's, it, it's not personal. You, you, you know, the player screws you one week. You can't just say, Hey, you know, forget it. Uh, I'm, he's dead to me. It's just not how this works. And for that reason alone, I'm willing to give a reprieve to Ryan Fitzpatrick and I may be nuts doing it, but, uh, I'm actually considering him at that, at that price, uh, in GPPs this week. I keep waiting for the monster D game. He was okay last week against the jets, 10 targets, six catches, 82 yards, only 11.2 points on FanDuel. So it wasn't a total bust. He wasn't the reason you didn't cash for example. Uh, but you know, he still hasn't had the yardage and the TDs in a game like that 122 TD game that you kind of hope for when you throw Jackson into a tournament lineup hasn't happened yet. Do you keep pushing the DJX button in tournaments? I mean, this is a matchup. This, the, the, if there's any type of matchup, it's this one here against this Dolphins team. Uh, so he's definitely interesting. He's in play. I mean, I'd love to see more of Chris Godwin. Uh, you know, he actually, actually came up and stepped up huge in place of Mike Evans last week. I do think we'll start to see him get a bit more snaps going forward. But, uh, you know, hey, as long as Evans and, and, and DJX are healthy, you know, hum- Humphreys is manning the slot targets. Uh, really hard to target, the, you know, to roster this guy. And then just the last guy I'll mention, because now, um, you know, talking about the dead to me thing, um, just a second ago, Cameron Brait played him two weeks ago for his bust. He was my main tight end, played him again last week, and now he's starting to really piss me off. But, uh, you know, I'm in a game stack scenario. I'm considering him. He's he's, uh, he's somebody that Fitzpatrick has had uh, somewhat of a history with, you know, limited albeit. But um, am I crazy to go back to him for one more week? No, I don't think you're crazy. I mean, the, the Ivy League connection we've all been hoping for yeah. is not uh, not improving quite at the way we hoped. But you look at the target volume before Jameis's shoulder got worse. Kind of strange that Brait uh, was getting more looks from Jameis than he has been from Fitz. He just looked for the backup quarterback to lean more heavily on the big targets, and that has not played out that way so far. But at 5,500, when you have you know four tight ends in Gronk, Ertz, Kelsey, and Ingram, between 74 and 8200 and then a huge drop almost a two thousand dollar drop to the next tier where you got jared cook Braid, uh jordan reed if he goes in there too at 55 5600 that's a pretty big drop off you, you kind of just don't have a middle tier like you it's it's top tier or lower tier at tight end and when you save money you know you want guys that get looks in the red zone Braid typically gets that uh, but I agree with your general take on this game that the the over under total at 40 and a half does seem a bit light given the lack of quality these teams have defensively. Let's move on to the Ravens and Packers. The Ravens are two point road favorites. I don't know what to make of Brett Hundley. I know he looked better against the Bears. The Ravens are one of those teams. If you if you got to play him, you'd love to catch him when you're at home. So I, I'm you know, glad that this game's not being played in Baltimore from a, uh, a Packer fan perspective, but I still don't know if I trust Hundley to move the ball well enough to where I want to pursue Jamal Williams as a cash option. Like Jamal Williams is an interesting player because of the volume. I'm not convinced he's even their fourth best or better than their fourth best running back when everybody's available. I mean, I, I think Ty Montgomery is better. Aaron Jones has looked better. And our buddy Mario Puig is adamant that Devontae Mays would be a better player than Jamal Williams as well. The bottom line is he's the guy right now. 
how aggressive are you going to be with Jamal Williams in this matchup against Baltimore? Uh, you know what? Probably as aggressive as, as I have been in my uh, free agent bids in in, uh, in NFFC, which is uh, very not aggressive. So uh, for me, there were even a couple scenarios where you know I bid Andre Ellington ahead of him, and uh, as crazy it may sound, Samaje Pirine, I, I pretty much you know dropped the same amount of. Uh, same amount of a bid as they did on Jamal Williams, just not very bullish um, in this offense. Of course, DFS is, is, is a whole different animal. Um, I think really uh, main concern here is, uh, you know, this this Baltimore run defense is, although it ranks 19th in, in, uh, in DVOA uh, and it does have some holes, it's been much better since run stopper Brandon Williams returned. And, uh, you know, just in general, like I'm you know, this is a game that I'm probably not going to have many targets in. I mean, uh, DFS wise, just another game with a very low total, two decent defenses that I'm not, you know, not particularly interested in anyone here. Ravens fresh off the bye week. Um, you know, I, I just have a hard time imagining them walking into Lambeau and just beating up on the Packers. Uh, the main guy that I'd actually be interested here uh, in this game altogether might be Jeremy Macklin. Um, he'll have a nice little matchup against Demarius Randall in the slot. Um, the only thing that I'll kind of keep an eye out for is the fact that he was limited in practice on Wednesday, dealing with a shoulder injury from two weeks ago. So basically I just want to make sure he's good to go. I kind of look at this game and the Macklin call makes some sense because I'm thinking Flacco as like a, a cheap GPP centric, just drink a, a six pack in the shower, set one more lineup kind of guy. Like he could be, he could be surprisingly useful for once because that's what the Packers secondary does. I mean, Mitch Trubisky nearly threw for 300 yards on them last week. And we know the bears are trying to not let Mitchell Trubisky throw the ball at all. Stafford 361, two TDs on Monday night back in week nine. Breeze went for 331 and a score uh, back in week seven. So it's been a lot of yardage recently. Surprisingly, not as many TDs as you'd expect with Stafford and Breeze making recent visits to Lambeau. Uh, but Dak got him for 251, three TDs in that shootout in Dallas. I mean, Andy Dalton was playing really well, going back to week three even against the, the Packers. That was a, the first game where, where Bill Lazor was the offensive coordinator. Dalton opened up playing really well, and their, their just inability to sustain some drives in the second half opened the door for the Packers to come back and win that game. But 21 of 27 to 12 from Andy Dalton back in week three Flacco's issue, I guess would be that when the Ravens get a lead, they kind of stop throwing like all the time. Yeah. And I guess the case against them as a GPP play is that you probably don't expect Brett Hundley in the Packers offense to do enough damage to make Joe Flacco throw it a lot. So it's a low owned, just total dart. And I'd probably have to have, four or five different lineups and usually i don't have quite that many to actually and four or five them. different beers a lot of beers and to, to do it but it's something it's it's the force man i'm telling you like yeah. it's just something saying like the flacco week this this is the flacco week so if you ever want to play joe flacco this is this is the week this um, that's all that's as far it, as i'm gonna go with it and you know you know your Packers really well, and it totally makes sense. And uh, you know it was, it was kind of crazy. I noticed that Flacco actually had 52 pass attempts against Tennessee pr- prior to their bye. And we also know that the Packers, uh, you know, pass defense just uh, isn't that good, um, not at full strength. And so um, you know you may you may have sold me on, on on something a little here. I may have to uh, 
drink a six pack in the shower and put together a Flacco lineup. Yeah, put together the rest of your lineups first, and then you know, thirty minutes or twenty minutes before lock, hit that last shower, knock out those beers, and then come back and set the last one. I think that's the way to do. Maybe you have to like make a a template for it, and then hit the button after the beers because you won't be able to find the laptop after the six pack. All right. Well, that game is generally one to avoid, though. I mean, Alex Collins is cheap, but I, I don't really pick on the Packers' run defense much. I think that's where they have kind of some defensive strength. Uh, we don't really know what's going to happen with Ty Montgomery and that rib injury, too. He may try to gut it out, and that would just cloud things up for Jamal Williams. So unless Montgomery's ruled out, I don't see much value in Williams uh, outside of like a, just a pure dart that opens up a lot of cash. Uh, if you're going to play a receiver in this game, other than Jeremy Macklin on the Packers side, Devonte Adams gets a lot of targets from Hundley. 6,700 is a very low price. I, I could see him continuing to draw second corners instead of top corners. And with that, he'll have the better matchup, you know, on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah, definitely in play. I mean, obviously Jordy has essentially uh, all but disappeared. Uh, my only concern about Devonte Adams, and you know me, I'm a little bit more uh, in a wide receiver cornerback uh, centric. Is is he'll likely be in that Jimmy Smith coverage? Uh, not that he can't beat him, but uh, you know, definitely something that sort of holds down his upside just a little bit. And I think in general, I think both you you and I are on the same page that this just isn't isn't a game we're gonna gonna go too crazy about in Week Eleven. Now the Ravens have allowed just three receivers, three double digit fans points in uh, non-PPR formats this season. Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Crabtree, Rashard Matthews, so top receivers really haven't done a lot of damage. Let's stay in the NFC North. The Vikings hosting the Rams. The Vikings are two and a half point favorites. Over-under totals 46. And I looked like a complete idiot last week for a lot of reasons, but maybe the biggest one was my belief that the Vikings Redskins game had an over-under total that was way too high. And clearly, as that one played out, I was dead wrong about that. What's the deal with the Vikings being in these these high over under total games? This is a good defense. I mean, I think, I think the the Rams are one of those teams that they're pretty soft against the run. They're solid against the pass. The Vikings are good defensively both ways. I mean, run and pass. So where does that 46 really come from? Yeah, you know, that's just the football for you, man. It's gonna, You're going to see uh, everybody stacking this game up like crazy, and then it ends up being like a 16-13 to 13 game. Um, yeah, and, and it's funny. On the other side, you know, the Rams, I thought last week that it would be one of the one of the uh, rare weeks that they didn't top 30 points as a team, and they, they did that with ease. And I think just for that concern, I ended up having to put together a Ram stack. Unfortunately, I did it without Robert Woods. Uh, so you know how that felt. Um, getting a piece of everything except for him. But, um, man, I don't know. This Rams team ju- is just a juggernaut firing on all cylinders. Um, you know, uh, for me, I think this week uh, for this pass offense, it's really sort of getting a read on who Xavier Rhodes is going to cover because that's essentially going to be the wide receiver that I want no part of. And I'm honestly not sure if it's if Rhodes is going to be sticking to his side or, you know, if he's going to be shadowing, uh, you know, specifically Sammy Watkins or, or concentrating more on Robert Woods. But all I know is I want to make the educated decision here because I want to be able to get the guy that's going to be going up against uh, Trey. Don't call me Keenan Wayans. <laughs> I keep looking at this matchup thinking that Sammy Watkins will be the guy that sees a lot of Xavier Rhodes and then Sammy Watkins will once again be ignored by Jared Goff and then Robert Woods and Cooper Cup will step up mm-hmm. and get more targets than they should. That's been kind of the the consistent plan for the Rams. And it, it's a little bit like 
the Packer situation now where you mentioned Jimmy Smith matching up on Devonte Adams. Like if that happens, then my interest in Adams just shifts to Nelson because I think mm-hmm. with inexperienced quarterbacks, they don't want to throw into those difficult one-on-one matchups. They're just going to try to avoid it as much as they can rather than make the critical mistake. They'll play with a smaller field. Essentially they'll play with fewer options. And if Rhodes is on Watkins, Woods is interesting again. But at, at what point do opposing teams say, you know what? Robert Woods has been burning people and we should put Rhodes on him. Like that's to me, that's a legitimate adjustment that teams could make, but we have no real read as to when exactly they would make it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, in those kind of scenarios, I mean, there's different, definitely different things you can do, but, um, you know, just from a game theory standpoint, if you are the type that is going to build multiple lineups, um, you know, you can play it both ways. You can put in a lineup with woods, you could, you know, maybe you're making like five of these Ram stacks go, you know, four with woods, one with Watkins, that just sort of, uh, you're a little con- contrarian there. Um, but the interesting part with these Ram stacks, Gurley is actually always in play. I mean, last week he was a whopping 9,600, uh, caught a bunch of balls, um, did not get into the end zone, but, um, how do you feel about Gurley this week? I mean, I'm not quite sure I'm taking, uh, I'm always a little cautious of those top end guys, especially in a, in a format like FanDuel where that's very scoring dependent. Um, just taking a little bit of pause against this number five, uh, run defense. And so, you know, I love Gurley, the running back and his uh, the weapon that he is in this offense. Uh, the only thing I'm really happy about is that his price has actually dropped a little bit to 8,700. Nevertheless, I think he's going to be pretty popular this week against a pretty good defense. Yeah. I mean, that Seattle game is the first thing that kind of comes to mind because that was the, the other really tough run defense that he's seen this year. And they were able to uh, keep him pretty quiet. Now, I believe early in that game, was that the game where he almost scored and there was a review near the goal line? I, I'm pretty yeah, sure he, it was that week. So yeah, he, he, it was a fumble instead of a TD. Like it was a really bizarre close play near the pylon. Uh, if that's the right game, I mean, that kind of changes the complexion of that. If he gets a TD in that situation, uh, but it's a little bit like the cream hunt situation. The difference being it's a defensive matchup. You don't like, so you get this expensive back who's talented, who's heavily involved in the offense. The ownership rate might be down a little bit and that makes him more appealing in GPPs. I'd probably stay away in cash. I think Minnesota's run defense is actually good. I'm going to run the risk of being stupid two weeks in a row uh, with regard to my expectations for a Vikings game coming in pretty far below the over under total. So I think my interest in this game is more with the Minnesota receivers. You know, I'm looking at, at Thielen and Diggs and, they're both just getting enough targets right now from case Keenum where I feel pretty good about him in cash. If I'm looking for a Viking for a tournament, I'm still on Jarek McKinnon. Like I, I refuse to believe that Latavius Murray is a good player. I think he's just very mediocre. I think when you have a guy like McKinnon who can score from anywhere on the field, he doesn't need a ton of volume to be productive coming off a, a game two weeks ago against the Browns. I mean, he had the 14 carries in that game and 10 targets. I know the workload was disappointing, in week 10 against Washington, but I still have hope that, you know, 15 carries and, and five or six targets could be what he gets. And if he does that, that's where I think the Vikings can actually have a guy kind of step up and really surprise people this week. 
And McKinnon's very reasonably priced this week, uh, 6,400 coming off uh, a bust, essentially. I mean, 32 yards on, on 10 carries, just two catches, um, you know, and, and yeah, the Latavius Murray just re- refuses to die. I actually think, you know, thought beginning of the year, uh, you know, with, with that injury going on that he really was never going to even get back on the field. And, and I thought he was basically out of favor with the team altogether. McKinnon's great. I mean, guys like him and Chris Thompson, obviously we're preferring them on, on, uh, you know, full PPR sites as opposed to FanDuel um, because we are looking for the touchdowns, but uh, you know, McKinnon's had his fair share, uh, you know, four scores in the, in the last five games, uh, not too shabby. And so um, definitely in play for the price, um, last in, you know, Diggs and Thielen, I mean, just amazing. Those guys, uh, Scott and I actually recommended Thielen in this, uh, in this podcast last week. And of course he went grossly under owned, but like the donkey that I've been lately, I played five lineups and just somehow forgot about him. Didn't get him in as a, as my one-off play as I was planning to. And he's just been an animal, Adam Thielen. I mean, that's now four straight games with at least 10 targets and he's gone for over 250 yards over the last two games. Yeah, he's kind of doing what he was doing down stretch last season, and now he's doing it with Stephon Diggs healthy too, which bodes well for their production. Kyle Rudolph, kind of the the loser in that equation, if it holds up. Interesting that they're both up over seventy five hundred now. Uh, Thielen at seventy seven and Diggs at the even seven uh, seventy five hundred price tag. I mean, I didn't think we'd see two Minnesota receivers priced up that way, and here we are. Uh, Rudolph fifty four hundred is cheap, maybe a little contrarian if you want to fade the two receivers. I myself am not going down that path. Fantasy football fans, football is back. It's been back for a while, but FanDuel is here. It's in full force. It's fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests are starting every week. No busted season. So if your season-long league has not gone the way you'd hoped, get some action on FanDuel. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1. Pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time it makes every game more exciting i mean how else would you watch the browns play ever without FanDuel? over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. to take advantage of our special offer for new users sign up today at fanduel.com slash rw you get a free six-month rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the nfl sunday million which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. just visit fanduel.com slash rw void where prohibited a few more games to go here on the early part of sunday's slate cardinals on the road taking on the texans the over under total in your notes that you sent me it opened at 45 it's down to 38 and a half wow why did that open at 45 i don't know but uh i wish i still bet (laughs) that's crazy 45 these teams backup quarterbacks that's ridiculous so yeah well, now it's uh, apparently it's looking like it's going to be Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. Even if it were Drew Stanton, though, like uh-huh. Drew Stanton can't move the line that much. No, I don't know what's going on here. So these two teams pretty good against the run. They're both under four yards per carry allowed. Uh, I haven't really been using Peterson at all. The, the volume's been there, but he's all over the place. It's third string quarterback now with Gabbert. The passing game is probably not going to move the ball all that well. If I'm using anyone with Arizona, it's Fitz because Fitz is just unbelievable. But even in, even in a week where the wide receiver pool is kind of messed up at the top, 
I see a lot of mid-tier guys that I like a little more than Fitz. So maybe in cash at 6,900 on FanDuel, but that's probably about it for this Cardinals offense. Yeah, you know, I'm not particularly interested in many options in this game outside of exactly who you mentioned, Larry Fitz, who just... I mean, it seems to continue to defy father time, um, at least in football age, of course. And it, a lot of it comes down to this matchup with um, slot whipping boy, Kareem Jackson, who's just a gold matchup. And this guy is basically allowing the third most yards per route covered among slot corners behind only the Saints, Marcus Williams and the Pats, Eric Rowe. And so, you know, again, the only quandary with the quarterbacks this week is indeed going to be Gabbert. And at least for me personally, um, if he drew the start, I think the game would be just a little bit more exciting. Not too much, but I just feel like he has a little bit more upside. Um, John Brown, he's the best of the the, the remaining receivers there. Just, you know, not somebody. um, Sometimes I just get that John Brown itch and like I want to play him. Um, Not quite sure if this is the week for that. Um, and then Adrian Peterson, um, you already mentioned it. He's pretty easy to nail. Uh, we play him in matchups when the cards are at least a few points favorite favored, um, against easier opponents where they can control the clock. I mean, his two big games, they came against porous Niners and Tampa Bay Buccaneers run defenses. Um, and then his last, the two games in between against the Rams and Seahawks, he combined for 50 rushing yards on 32 carries, which translates essentially to 1.5 yards per carry unbelievable really just how erratic he's been with that heavy uh, workload the texans right now against the pass are now tied with the colts 8.3 yards per attempt allowed they've also allowed 19 passing tds i think only the jets and the giants have allowed more than texans through the air so that's where that fits interest comes in despite blaine gabbert getting the nod for arizona but yeah this game does not have a whole lot to get excited about really on either side gpps on the texan side i, mean, I mentioned deandre hopkins he's still getting a lot of targets from tom savage if you wanted something that was really different and cheap bruce ellington's had back-to-back games where he's been heavily targeted but even that to me is just kind of a, a total dart at this point yeah i mean again uh, i agree with you 100 on the texan side there's just really not to love as uh, as long as uh, tom savage is a signal caller there uh and even deandre hopkins i mean upside definitely a little bit limited uh if he's going to be tied up with patrick peterson um i believe will fuller is going to miss this game uh with his rib injury and and yeah you know what i i might actually consider bruce ellington as a as a, a cheap dart throw um probably going to be tang- tangling in the slot with uh justin bethel or if he's going to play or tyron Nat- Matthew, Matthew, um, you know, honey badger. I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name properly. And Ellington found Pater last week had eight targets in each of his last two games. And so, uh, you know, could be the old, uh, Dontrell Inman call of last week for, uh, for week 11. Yeah. 16 targets in two games is enough to get my attention, but still very capped ceiling for Bruce mm-hmm. Ellington, given the circumstances right now with that Texans offense. Uh, let's shift the focus now to the jags and browns that's going to be brief also jags favored by seven and a half over under total only 37 Leonard fournette's ankle seems to be okay he was limited in practice on wednesday so that's a pretty good sign for his chances of progressing and doing more later on in the week 9300 is the price though on fournette and for as bad as the browns have been on a per carry basis they've been a good run defense this year so what's the angle for you with Fournette at 9,300? Is he a part of your plans? No, not particularly. And, you know, it just could be one of those, you know, 
things where I end up shooting myself in the foot where, um, but I don't know. It's just, it's, there's a lot of things involved here. It's the ankle. It's the, the price tag, 9,300. It's a Browns defense. That's really tough to run against ranking second in DVOA. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting call for, for a lot of people this week. Um, and I, Obviously, the, the game is going to work in, in, you know, flow at least in in favor of the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. And I don't think he's your average running back either. He's pretty talented. Um, but, you know, you probably see somewhere like, you know, 10 to 15 percent ownership. I don't think people are going to go nuts over him. I don't think he'll be owned higher than Gurley um, and probably somewhere maybe around the Kareem Hunt range. Um, but people, they love to cling to their expensive running backs, uh, DFS players. And this week, you don't have Lev Bell on the slate. He's playing on Thursday. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, for me, you know, even Marquise Lee, he's not uh, at full strength, but he's been been a pretty solid cash game, uh, you know, weekly staple. Uh, But this week he's going to get a piece of Jason McCourty, who's uh, I believe is a pretty damn good corner ranking top 10 at his position. Um, And so for me, the most interesting play here is the Jags defense. Uh, The problem here, of course, is the price tag at 5,600. And then the one thing I want to warn people about is um, I, I, Obviously, the news is starting to come out and people will pay attention to it. But I think a lot of people may end up gravitating towards preseason darling Didi Westbrook. And so my one concern or couple concerns is that it's a little dangerous to play a you know, guy who is yet to basically play in an NFL game. And most importantly, he's probably going to be on an unlimited snap count. And so with Alan Hearns hurting, um, it might be a good kind of, you know, another sneaky uh, cheap guy that someone might, might want to consider is this other guy who I didn't even know who he was three weeks ago, Keelan Cole. Yeah, Keelan Cole's got 13 targets the last two games. So I, I could see that as the I'm going to open up money for top end running backs or a top end quarterback and or a top 10, uh, top three, top four tight end uh, in there as well. But yeah, a lot of injuries for the Jags, with Lee and Hearns banged up. Corey Coleman's supposed to come back for the Browns. He's been on IR with that broken hand, so that's a boost to the receiving core. They get Josh Gordon back two weeks from now. I mean, the Browns could have a really nice duo of receivers from like week 13 and beyond. Not a lot of help, though, in the short term with this matchup against the Jags. So even though Corey Coleman's 5,400, I would take a wait-and-see approach for a week just to see how limited he is, if he's limited at all, because this is a tough enough matchup where I don't feel real good about his production in the first game back. Yeah, pretty much. I'm off all the Browns. Uh, Duke Johnson may have a little bit of value, but I think more so on full PPR sites. Uh, so pretty much an avoid for me for the Cleveland side. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think Duke would need to be full PPR for me to even consider it. And the, the flex rather than one of the two running back spots too. So not really a lot there paying up for the Jags defense though, does make sense Deshaun Kaiser's got a rib injury. He was limited in practice on Wednesday. He should be good to go. The Redskins on the road taking on that Saints team we talked about earlier. We've been so surprised at uh, the success of their defense and just how well they've run the ball and how that's impacted uh, Drew Brees. Looking at the Saints right now, Mark Ingram coming off a huge game, I think that's going to juice up the ownership rate a little bit. But Alvin Kamara has been really good, and he's $700 cheaper. Do you expect the ownership rate to be higher on Kamara than on Ingram? Well, I mean, what could be said about Ingram and Kamara that hasn't been already said about, you know, 
Abbott and Costello, Batman and Robin, man, I mean, even peanut butter and jelly. I mean, these guys are pure DFS animals, um, essentially matcher proof. So it seems, and, um, I don't know, I think they're going to eat, eat into one another's ownership. And I think you're going to see a lot of scenarios, um, maybe not as more so on FanDuel, but where people are jamming both of them into their lineups and it wouldn't necessarily be a horrible play. The only problem of course is, uh, there's their combined salaries. Yeah, they're I mean they're pricey if you're going to stack them both, but I could see Kamara being the the more owned player of the two. I could see him still being good. He's had double digit fantasy points in like seven consecutive games now. I mean that's that's remarkable. Actually, it's the entire duration of the Saints' current winning streak where he's had ten or more fantasy yep. points on seven. FanDuel. So you got to feel pretty good about that. Uh, you look at the pass catchers. I mean, Michael Thomas is very expensive. Ted Ginn kind of always in the mix in GPPs because all it takes is that one long TD and he can make value from the $5,600 price tag. Uh, no interest in the tight ends. Fleener is just dead to me at this point. What's your level of trust regarding the Saints defense from a fantasy perspective? So from a real life perspective, we know they have played at a very high level. They had that huge performance against the Lions, the 33-pointer. Uh, and in, in the four games since then, They've cracked eight points one time, and that came two weeks ago against Tampa Bay. I mean, do you look at them as a team that when they're at home, you want to go ahead and, and use them in tournaments, given that they're you know, 4,500? Yeah, I mean, I definitely mark them as, as, as one that uh, defense that I'm interested in. And, and uh, Scott and I kind of identified this one uh, early on, actually, before that big week. Uh, you know, we, we, we recommended them on the pod and uh, had some shares, which is really nice. Um, the thing is, is what, what's nice, first of all, is they're holding opponents down. I mean, you know, over the last four games, they've allowed 10. 10, 12 and 17 points. So, um, you know, doing, doing really well points allowed. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just haven't been really generating a lot of sacks, um, you know, just, you know, eight over their last three games, which is, you know, decent, but, uh, the price is good here. Uh, of course they're priced down because people aren't, this is one of the highest over unders on the slate. People are expecting this one to be a shootout. I personally think it's going to be a, uh, a sneaky, a low scoring game. And, uh, if I was, a uh, placing a wager on this one, I'd probably go under in washington to me is just kind of bad like I, I don't like jay gruden i don't like their offense samaje p ryan will get a lot of carries with rob kelly out they're gonna have chris thompson catching passes terrell Pryor is basically an afterthought now based on how he's been used the player i actually like the most with washington right now is vernon davis jordan reed still got that hamstring injury assuming that reed doesn't play this week he's already out of practice for the first day on wednesday with that hamstring injury davis at 5200 is one of the handful of pivots you could use to go away from those big four tight ends exactly and i think he'll be uh sort of the de facto pivot for four people especially because he has been uh, so efficient over the last few weeks and yeah i mean if reed is out um, you know, definitely a good spot for Vernon Davis, by the way, DVR, please remind me never to draft uh, Jordan Reed again in, in season long. <laughs> Let, I, will, make I will make a note of that. I, I gave him on him a couple of years ago, so I've happily just not had to worry about anything going on with his status week to week. And you know what? It was a, it was one of these scenarios where it's like, Oh man, he's fallen all the way to the seventh round. How do I not take a chance on him? And so, yep, there it goes. Another season. Um, yeah, I mean this, this Redskins offense, uh, you know, the only guy outside of him that I'm really interested in is, uh, Chris, 
Thompson. Um, you know, he's going to be involved regardless of game flow. Um, you know, just a really good uh, guy that, that Chris Cousins, Chris, Kirk Cousins trusts. Um, you know, you already mentioned Samaj P. Ryan is going to be the early down back with uh, Rob Kelly not in the mix. And so, you know, this these this receiving core is just not something I want a part of. Uh, I keep thinking at some point they'll start playing Terrell Pryor a little bit more. And nope, just not happening. See him out there for a couple of plays. Josh Doxon's probably going to be covered, uh, you know, by Lattimore, going to get that treatment, and that's going to be tough. So, um, you know, for the most part, um, you know, I think there are a couple of, uh, you know, Ingram and Kamara. That's what really sticks out to me. Um, small preference to Alvin Kamara just because of, uh, you know, his blow up potential. Um, that's essentially what I'm looking at here this week from this game. Yeah, I guess Jamison Crowder's cheap enough. 24 targets the last two games. You could think about him at 5,400 too, but I'd. I just don't trust Washington, so I'm generally going to try to stay away as much as I can for this week. Let's start taking a look at these late afternoon games. The Bills on the road in Los Angeles taking on the Chargers. Chargers four and a half point favorites over under total in that one, 43 and a half. LaShawn McCoy made me look stupid last week, and you have to think with Nathan Peterman getting the start for the Bills, it's going to be a run-heavy attack trying to take the pressure off the youngster, and with that, Shady has an opportunity to get extreme volume against a Chargers run defense that's actually been pretty soft. I mean, you don't want to throw against the Chargers in general, but you really don't want to throw against the Chargers if you're the Bills and your receivers are below average and your quarterback is making his first start. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really nice bounce back spot for McCoy, uh, especially with Peterman involved. Um, uh, I mean, the Chargers defensive front has looked a bit more uh, stout. Um, than they did earlier in the year. Um, they, they, they showed that a little bit last week, uh, stuffing Leonard for net. Uh, I think he ended up with just like, you know, 25 yards on 12 carries, something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's the running backs that I'm most interested in, uh, in this game. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that you really go after somebody like, um, you know, Jordan Matthews or Kelvin Benjamin against this, uh, you know, top five secondary led by Casey Hayward, just not, not a spot. I'm, I'm very, uh, interested in attacking. I know a team that could use Casey Hayward. <laughs> I, I think near near you somewhere. Yeah, yeah, close close to where I am. They they could they could use that guy. He's he's pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. I, I look at the Chargers though as a team. People are going to be pretty sour about what happened with Melvin Gordon last week. Austin Eckler, of course, uh, making some pretty big contributions. What do you make of Eckler? I mean, is this just kind of a, a one week blip where? Gordon is fine. He just got bottled up. He had that knee injury a couple of weeks ago. So you wonder if he's still banged up. I mean, where are you at with Melvin Gordon right now? It, it, it has to be something health related. I know they just kind of did roll with it with Austin Eckler, but, uh, I mean, you know, my, my, uh, my, my partner in NFFC, um, we got it. We did a primetime team together, Matt Modica. Um, he sent me a text out of the blue and I'm telling you, this is six weeks ago. He goes, Eckler, we have to bet on Eckler. And there were like players. I mean, there were much like guys you've actually heard of uh, available on waivers and he wanted to make them the, the, our top pick. <laughs> it's uh, our top, our top bid that week. So we bid on him. We had him. We sort of waited it out. And after a while, you just kind of had to drop him. And that's what we did a few weeks ago. Now he's back on the radar after that big two touchdown game. Um, yeah, I just didn't expect to see a big, uh, you know, so many snaps for him, for him to be so effective, uh, you know, I guess so quickly. Um, but I like Melvin Gordon this week. I do think he's going to be a little sneaky. I think the price is nice. Um, you know, and, and we're seeing what, what's been happening to this bill's defense. They're literally one of the 
three worst run defense uh, run defenses in the league. Um, you know, we saw what happened against with Kamara and Ingram last week. And so I think this is a nice game for uh, Melvin Gordon to sort of dr- uh, bounce back top 100 combined yards and uh, finally get into the end zone. I think it could be time to panic, though, if he doesn't. I mean, I, I, no, I see the absolutely. path for it. I've always believed in the skills. I think a lot of his struggles uh, early on in his career were the result of a pretty bad offensive line. The Chargers have made some improvements there. The other question is, you know, Philip Rivers going through the concussion protocol. Is he going to be good to go uh, on Sunday? I mean, he was limited in practice on Wednesday. So things are looking pretty good midweek for Rivers. If he doesn't go and it's you know Kellen Clemens instead, yeah. then I'm a little concerned about the Bills being able to really load up the box and, and say, you know what, Kellen Clemens isn't going to beat us, so we're going to go ahead and, mm. and load up eight men, eight men in the box, and Gordon's going to have nowhere to run. But I think Gordon definitely makes sense uh, for the bounce back. Let's look at the Bengals and Browns, or Bengals and Broncos, rather. Emmanuel Sanders, as I was watching that game Sunday night, he is just ridiculous. Like, what, what if he yeah. played on a team with a good quarterback? Like, would Emmanuel Sanders be like a top six receiver if he had a top 10 quarterback at his disposal? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, wide, I mean, he's already has sort of been on the cusp of, of uh, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two over the last couple of years. Uh, and obviously he paid, played, he was sort of the third man, um, you know, outside looking in back when he was on the Steelers with uh, Ben Roethlisberger. But man, he, he, he just took it to them early and, and often at the end of the day, he ended up catching only six of 11 targets, but just massive yardage, 137 yards. The guy hasn't scored, um, you know, since what week two, where he scored when he scored two touchdowns, and so, yeah, man, I mean, the, this team has some problems, and, and I think just in general, um, there's just not a lot I love in this game. If there's any game from the afternoon slate that I am fading, it's going to be the Bengals and the Browns. Yeah, I don't like how the Broncos have been using all three of their running backs. I mean, they're all priced down now. Where C.J. Anderson's six thousand, Booker fifty four hundred, Charles is fifty one hundred, but as long as they're using three guys you really can't get a good feel for who's going to step up and produce their defense might be good this week and imagine how i feel as the the preseason uh president of the cj anderson fan club i mean literally i have to can't even play the guy in season long dfs can't even think about it yeah i had him in the main event for the nffc so that that's going really good the the zeke cj anderson backfield has uh has backfired in a very big way but the Broncos defense is interesting to me because the Bengals offensive line is not good. The Broncos are at home. I know they haven't been the elite shutdown unit that some people thought they still would be self-included. They've had one double digit fantasy point game on FanDuel all season long. It came way back in week two against Dallas. They had a defensive touchdown that week and held the Cowboys to 17 points. So is this a week where Denver actually gets some usage i mean they're 4800 so they're actually pretty expensive for what they've provided they've been underperforming really all season as a unit yeah that secondary has been just getting trashed it's, it's really kind of crazy and uh i mean you look at the points that they've allowed over the last three games granted these are like the three best offenses i mean last week 35 points to the new England Patriots 51 to uh, Philadelphia in Philadelphia. And then against the chiefs, 23 points the previous week. Um, I do think they bounce back a little bit. Uh, you know, just, just, 
I think there's some some opportunities to uh, you know to to, to um, you know put some pressure on, on Dalton behind that you know weak offensive line that the, that the Bengals have. Um, and you know, obviously, if I had a lean between those two defenses, obviously I'm going with the home team Broncos. Um, they just don't really pop up to me as one of my top top three or four plays on defense this week. That makes sense. I mean, there are better alternatives, but it, if there's ever a week for them to be like a streamer, maybe in season long where they've been cut, this could possibly be that week. Let's move on to the Patriots and Raiders. This game's happening in Mexico City, and that's relevant because Mexico City is even higher in elevation than Denver. And the Patriots yep. stayed in Denver all week uh, as part of their effort to be more prepared for a high altitude game. I don't know if that's actually right. I know you're supposed to uh, adjust where you train versus, you know, where you live and all that for a week. I'm not sure it makes a big difference. But nevertheless, that's what the Patriots are doing. The Raiders taking the opposite approach, staying home, coming out of their bye week, going to Mexico on Saturday. This game has an over under total that's jumped up to 53 and a half. That is the highest total on the board. Patriots being seven point favorites, 30 implied points just over 30 30 and a quarter actually and the raiders i believe check in as the seventh highest implied total so yeah stacking this game will be a popular strategy for good reason cash heavy strategies especially where do you see value in this particular matchup given the patriots struggles defensively and the raiders are one of those teams too where you, you look at where they rank they have been kind of quietly bad on the defensive side of the ball throughout this season. Yeah. I mean, the way I see it, um, you know, outside of the obvious Mexico city factor, which obviously Vegas, uh, doesn't seem to mind. I mean, we're looking at two pretty solid offenses and two pretty bad defenses to be honest. And so I'm seeing a game filled with fantasy goodness. I wish I could just put a spell on all my, you know, DFS opponents at some point. So they don't see the same, uh, loveliness that I see in this game. But, uh, Alas, I have no control of that. No magic powers. But uh, yeah, I mean, I see this one shooting out like crazy. Um, Brady Cooks, I think, is probably my favorite combo of the week. Uh, I think Brandon Cooks, and uh, not just because I have him on my primary season long, I think he's overdue for one of those monster games. Uh, We saw him heavily targeted last week, just missed a couple in the end zone. Um, You know, there's just really no one in that secondary that can hang with him. And I just have a feeling that he's going to be the focal point of this offense on Sunday. Yeah, I can definitely see this being a good week for Cooks. Uh, if you look at the Oakland side, I mean, you can save a little money if you go Carr instead of Brady. You save $600. Not sure if it's going to be worth it. I think the the value plays are really going to be concentrated at running back on both sides. I mean, if, if Danny Amendola plays, I like him more in the full PPR setup than in the half point you get uh, on FanDuel. But the running backs, Marshawn Lynch, 5900 Rex Burkhead and Deion Lewis, 5,700. James White, 5,100. Do you like any of those running backs on FanDuel this week, given the low prices and the high over-under total in this game? I do. And of course, you know, we record this a little earlier in the week. I mean, this is definitely one of the games that I want to sort of project out myself and, uh, you know, assign some, uh, some point projections on, on this. Um, I mean, the running backs, it's just, you know, they just have so many of them to the point where a guy like Mike Gillisley is, uh, was inactive last week. And so, you know, Lewis and James White and, and Burkhead, uh, they really sort of take value away from each other. Um, 
And I know I, I personally think from this group, we're going to see probably the highest percentage ownership uh, on Rex Burkhead. And that's just because people love him. And he actually did something last week on the end zone, looked great. Um, and I think for me, it gives me a reason to possibly uh, look at a sneaky guy who uh, is, is priced less than all of them and seems to sort of be the forgotten man. And that's James White for just 5,100. Yeah, James White still seems to have this consistent role in the passing game. I know against Denver, because he scored, he had a decent day, and he would have had a pretty bad day otherwise because he had 18 yards from scrimmage in that one. But you go back to the games before that, 6, 5, 7, 9, and 12 targets. I realize Burkhead uh, was shelled for a chunk of that, so that may have played into it a little bit. Uh, But if Chris Hogan is still out, that opens up targets overall, and I think this could be a week where you know, maybe James White's the guy that gets a few more mismatches, and at 5,100, it makes sense to sneak him in perhaps into one of those tournament lineups because the payoff could be significant. Uh, but looking at the other pieces here, I mean, Gronk at 8,200, sure, he's in play. It's just going to be really hard to make him fit under the cap at that number. What are you doing with Jared Cook at 5,600? I think we talked about uh, one other particularly chalky tight end a little earlier, Vernon Davis. I mean, do you like Cook for $400 more? Uh, than than Vernon Davis this week. I do. And it's because I like this game more. Um, you know, uh, I, you know, he, he had that big game a couple weeks ago, his last game played eight catches, 126 yard game, um, was a focal point of, uh, uh, you know, the apple of car's eye in that, in that outing. Um, so I do like him and I don't know. I mean, the, the fact that it's, the, the Patriots against the Raiders in this game in the afternoon game, it's he's going to get more exposure. I think otherwise Jared cook might, might've gone a little underlooked, but I think that's essentially where people are going to be going. Uh, if they're not paying up for Kelsey this week, they're going to be pretty much going to Vernon Davis and Jared cook. And what that does is it leaves some of the other options like uh, Kyle Rudolph and Cameron braid or, you know, CJ fed all, you know, 5% and under essentially afterthoughts. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really good point. The the bottom end tight ends will be extremely low owned, and if one of them goes off, then that's going to be a path to getting a pretty big leg up on the pool in tournaments. Let's talk about the Sunday night game, the Eagles on the road in Dallas, three and a half point favorites over under in this one at 48. I'm having kind of highlight nightmares, if you will, of uh, Chaz Green getting just worked in that one and, and Adrian Claiborne just destroying Dak Prescott repeatedly, which is not really the fault of Dak at all. We know the Eagles got a solid front. Can they expose the Cowboys in a similar way? I mean, is this, is this another concerned spot for the Dallas passing game, given the problems they had last week? Yeah, I I think it is. Um, You know, I think the Cowboys are lucky that this game is at home. Uh, I'd be pretty worried about them against this, uh, this Philly offense. Um, you know, I actually faded Dak Prescott last week um, and the Cowboys altogether. I think I got a little lucky. I uh, really sort of wanted to see how things would work out without Zeke Elliott. Um, wasn't really confident in Al- Alfred Morris and how he was going to hold up in the running game. I actually like Rod Smith the most kind of from that group. Um, but um, I think in this game, you could probably easily assume that we're going to see um, decent ownership on, uh, you know, a lot of players from this game, starting with Carson Wentz, um, the potential MVP this year, uh, this Cowboys secondary is essentially depleted. We saw them get thrashed by the Falcons last week and they just appear to be regressing. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, but to me, the plays for me here are a little bit more on the Eagles side of the ball. Yeah. Jay Ajayi is 6,900. I mean, coming out of a bye week, why wouldn't he get more work than he did in that first game? 
with the Eagles against Denver. And he looked good in that one, too. I mean, he's got the, the best offensive line in the league blocking for him now. We're probably not going to see a Jai under 7,000 again for the rest of the season. It's probably going to be, he could be an $8,000 running back like two or three weeks from now, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Oh, and, and you know this DFS community is going to play him simply because he's 6,900. Um, and he's, you can always he's rely a, on the DFS community to, to jump on the, the players at 6,900. With a, with a hashtag nice. Um, yeah, you know, I actually read reports about Ajayi being more heavily involved in, in the offense this week, which obviously we would all assume. Um, I just don't – I don't know. I mean, obviously he can go off any time. I don't necessarily go out of my way to play running backs against the Cow, this Cowboys run defense – when Sean Lee is healthy and, uh, you know, I just don't have the numbers in front of me, but, uh, you know, they, they fell all the way down to one of the worst ranking run defenses in the league in those few weeks when Sean Lee was out since he's been back. I mean, they've just been, 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 been crushing the opposition. So, um, I like Ajayi. I like the price tag. I agree with you. I don't see him going to under 6,900 for long or under 7,000 for long, but, um, I don't know if I'm going to go out of my way for him. Good chalk at least. And, uh, yeah. a, a great cash game play. Maybe the, the GPP angle, uh, will be overplayed for Ajayi. Uh, as far as the pass catchers go, I mean, I, I like Wentz. I just, 8,700 is a lot. And I think because I like Ajayi as much as I do, that has me a little bit pessimistic about Wentz making value at that price. Again, I love the player. I just, I have a hard time on this particular slate uh, going ahead and, and paying up for him. Uh, the receivers, though, both Elshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar, 7,000 flat and 6,000 flat, respectively, both are strong considerations for me. Yeah, me as well. Uh, and both actually. And I, uh, I, I usually avoid Nelson Aguilar like the plague, but I think we see him jump back into relevance just a little bit, working out of the slot against Orlando Skandrick and, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, man. I mean, he just got a gorgeous matchup this week against uh, right cornerback, Jordan Lewis. Um, and that's Jordan with a U. So maybe it's Jordan. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> nevertheless, I like Alshon this week. Uh, I think he's, he's, uh, he's definitely in play for me. Yeah, but on the Cowboys side, anybody in the passing game that you like? I mean, Dez, 7,400, has got that knee injury, didn't practice Wednesday. We'll see where he's at later in the week. I mean, do you throw him out there? Do you like Beasley? Do you see a lot of uh, catch-up time, a lot, of, a lot of garbage opportunities for Dak to have to air it out? I could see that. I could definitely see that. Um, definitely going to want to stack this game up. Um, I think, you know, though Dez has been limited in practice this week, I think he'll be good to go. Uh, I think Jalen Mills uh, is is somebody that he can whip upon. Um, and, and plus, I'm just, you know, for me, for whatever reason, I always have de- exposure every single week, you know, win or lose to Julio Jones and uh, and Des Bryant. Uh, I guess you could just call me a glutton for punishment. All right, let's let's kind of fly by each position here. Talk about our top plays, some fades, maybe some sneaky players as well. At the quarterback position, for me, if money's no object, Tom Brady's my top play this week. I, I think he should be priced up over Carson Wentz. I think when I see the other expensive quarterbacks around him, you know, Dak, as I mentioned before, with the offensive line maybe being a problem. Kirk Cousins, I just I don't really trust him that much. If I'm going to the top shelf, it's going to be Brady every single time because I think that game will live up to it's high over under total. Yeah. Uh, Brady for me in, in a flash. And I think you're going to see a lot of consensus with that, um, this week. Um, you know, obviously people are going to want to have some exposure to, uh, to Carson Wentz and have that, uh, sort of Sunday night hammer thing going on. But, uh, you know, Tom Brady just sort of head and shoulders above the rest. Um, and then for the mid range, I'm curious what you like here, but, uh, somebody that we didn't really, uh, touch on when we talked about this game is, uh, Alex Smith. And I guess it really just sort of depends on how, you know, game flow goes, but 
But, um, you know, I think we're definitely going to see a lot of love um, for Smith simply because people are now starting to get familiar and looking back at his home and road splits where he's averaging nearly 25 fantasy points on the road compared to just 18 at home. Um, He might be the guy that I'm looking to as far as my sort of uh, mid range guy. But my only concern, of course, is uh, is game flow and then just getting off to a big lead. I'm looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick as the uh, cheaper play that I, I like quite a bit. I think with Mike Evans coming back, that Miami defense being what it is, that's actually a pretty good low end option. Kirk Cousins, though, is my fade. Like of those top options, if you said you get 10 lineups, I'd probably have Dak in one. I'd probably have Carson Wentz in one, but I, I wouldn't use Kirk Cousins. Maybe I'll look like an idiot. I, I just don't like what they're doing with those pass catchers. Yeah, and it's funny. I actually played. Um was it Jacoby Brissett last week over Kirk Cousins in a season long? And of course, Cousins went nuts. Um, funny enough, um, it, it must be that we're sharing notes, but uh, Cousins is my fate as well. Um, you know, obviously, he not as good on the road. Um, he obviously doesn't have a lot of interceptions this year either. Just you know, him and then you know Prescott probably cider, somebody that I'm lighter on the lighter than the field on this week. Shower beers uh, lineups again. Joe Flacco, <laughs> sneaky low percentage play. I, I, I don't, I don't want to do it. I just feel, feel obligated at sixty six hundred in a GPP. If you want something really different, maybe he gets that crazy volume somehow against the Packers defense that loves to bend against the past. Yeah, I'll, I'll be running a six pack shower lineup after this uh, little uh, podcast this week. Um, but for me, my sneaky low percentage guy is the guy you named as your cheap play, and that's Brian Fitzmagic. Getting back to the well, going back to the well on him. Um, and then just somebody that I think might go under owned, who I think is interesting on the other side of that um, highest total game is uh, Mr. Carr for the Raiders. Yeah, I wonder if he will end up being a little bit lower owned than he should be, considering the Vegas setup for that game. Shifting the focus to running back, top overall play for me, I'm saying Jay Ajayi. I mean, with Fournette having the ankle, Gurley having a tough matchup against Minnesota, Zeke being suspended, Kareem Hunt maybe having too good of a matchup. I mean, he'd be the other guy that I'd think about here. I'm even going below the Saints on this one. I think Jay Ajayi is just going to run wild if Sean Lee's not playing in that game. Yeah, and funny, you're actually selling me a little bit on him because I need to remind myself, uh, you know, despite having good weeks in DFS is, is to not to be so stringent and just be like, Oh, this is what happened with Sean Lee the last few weeks. And Jay Ajayi therefore cannot do it. Of course he can. He absolutely can. And the price is right. So I like that uh, option for me. Um, it's, it's going to be Alvin Kamara. Um, despite the limited carries, he's my top overall play, but, uh, the guy that I want to get a little ballsy with is, uh, is Melvin Gordon, I guess, because he'll be sort of lower owned. Um, he's probably will fall under that sneaky low percentage play group. That it is confirmed. Sean Lee is out, by the way. I guess I had not seen the official oh. confirmation on that. But, yeah, that's a uh, pretty bad hamstring strain that he had. Or at least that was the expectation as of uh, a couple days ago. So don't don't expect Sean Lee to play is the main takeaway here. No way. Awesome. Top, top mid-range play for me, I think it's Jarek McKinnon. I mean, Ajayi kind of falls into the mid-range price-wise. But I was thinking more in terms of like a, a GPP 6,500 or less kind of guy. McKinnon scratches that itch for me vlad for the reasons i mentioned earlier yeah it's funny my top mid-range play is um my favorite target in the uh the, on the redskins and that's chris thompson uh similar to mckinnon in terms of his explosiveness and uh his uh involvement as a as a as a pass catcher and so uh chris thompson and i also like uh mr mckinnon 
probably to my own detriment, but Kenyon Drake kind of popped up as a cheap play that I really liked. I think you're right about the ownership, though, being a bit too high. Uh, Burkhead's going to be more heavily owned at $100 more. But Kenyon Drake is an explosive player. I don't really think Damon, Damian Williams is good. And I also don't see the Bucks like blowing out the Dolphins either. I think that's two kind of evenly matched teams. The pick certainly reflects that. I'm on the same page with you. Kenyon Drake is my top cheap play. Um, he's just too cheap. And that's only because, um, you know, perhaps I'm underestimating, uh, you know, people building lineups this week, but, um, I think because Dion Lewis is there, I'm not quite sure how high percentage Rex Burkhead is going to be, if he's going to kind of, uh, surpass that 10% own threshold. Um, so I've got Burkhead personally listed as a, as a, my sneaky low percentage guy. Um, I'm curious who your fate is for me. It's got to be Leonard Fournette at 9,300 for the reasons that I mentioned earlier, the ankle, the price, um, and, a, and a good run defense that he's playing against. Same reasons. Yeah, I put Fournette up there. 9,300 is too much. If he was 8,800, maybe then I, I would have pivoted to someone else as a, as a possible fade. But part of it's the way that the the backfield kind of just breaks out. I mean, Hunt's matchup is good. Gurley's a lot less expensive than Fournette. So, yeah, Fournette's the biggest fade for me. So, so thinking, basically load up the, the uh, just queue up the two 200-yard, two three-touchdown game, right? Yeah, just, 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 if, if Vlad and I are both <laughs> fading something, you owe it to yourself to just go ahead and fade us. In unison. At least one lineup. At least one lineup. Play for net. Yeah, why not? I mean, <laughs> take that chance. Uh, sneaky low percentage play for me, Doug Martin. I mean, I, I think he's terrible, but the Dolphins have been awful against the run. We saw it on, on Monday night. Carolina ran all over him. Uh, and the Bucks really don't seem to have any interest in turning anybody else. So GPP play that people might not be thinking about. Doug Martin would be my guy. I like it. Uh, Burkhead for me, I already mentioned, and then I don't necessarily know how sneaky he'll be, uh, but, but Kareem Hunt, I think, uh, deserves some consideration, especially with the way we might expect that game to flow. Looking at the wide receivers, my top overall play this week is Mike Evans, 7,800, much cheaper than I would expect. Ownership rate will be high, but man, I, I am ending up with a lot of exposure to this Tampa Bay offense. Evans is my top play too. He's my favorite guy on the board. I think you're going to see um, a lot of the same with uh, with lineups this week. I think you're going to see easily 25% and uh, owned and over, uh, especially with uh, Michael Thomas priced up as the most expensive receiver this week um, against a solid Redskins defense. And with AJ Green up against Denver, I think people will just sort of default down to Evans. For me, the uh, two mid-range plays I like, Sterling Shepard, just because the volume should be there against Kansas City. You know, that's just stable. I think a lot of people are going to be chasing Evan Ingram because he's really good. Shepard's still going to get a good number of targets. Uh, But the second option, Nelson Aguilar, we talked about him a bit later on. I do want to get at least one lineup that has a piece of the Philadelphia passing game. Ertz is very expensive. People are going to chase Jeffrey like crazy as they should. So for GPPs, Aguilar at 6,000 flat is one of my preferred uh, mid-range plays. Yeah, for me, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, just just can't quit the guy. 6900 another nice price. Um, you know, definitely in consideration for me this week, especially in cash. And then um, Brandon Cooks. Um, I think this is going to be the big blowout game for Mr. Cooks, and uh, he's the main guy I want exposure to. Probably going to have him on my main GPP lineups this week. My fade is going to be uh, Michael Thomas at 8600 I mean, he's just so expensive compared to the likes of Evans, Green, Hopkins. I don't see enough there to pay up for him. We talked about him a bit earlier as a guy that just hasn't really delivered at that high level. A sneaky low percentage guy. I think that, that box is kind of checked by Aguilar. I mean, I think relative to 
the other Eagles especially, people just don't like him. Like he, he's just one of those guys. He's frustrated people for so long that the ownership rate might come out a bit lower uh, than it should for a player of that caliber. Yeah, for me, uh, top cheap play, kind of random, kind of out there, um, and it would be it would be it would be so nice, as Madonna would say, that Kenny Galladay would be uh, would be coming through this week. Uh, end zone target for Matthew Stafford. Uh, he's a little healthier, looked good last week in his first game back, hamstring no longer bothering him. Um, somebody that I'm considering. And then also Bruce Ellington, I think is a sneaky low percentage play. Uh, Tyreek Hill, who I think might go a little under owned in this matchup can blow up in any spot. Macklin, if he's healthy and then my fate as well. Um, again, that means play him in one line, one lineup since, uh, DVR and I agree. And that's AJ green. So, uh, play one for net AJ green lineup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Put Michael Thomas in there with AJ Green too. Go go receiver heavy in that lineup and see see what happens. At tight end, I'm I'm all over the Kelsey thing. I mean, the price is just ridiculous on FanDuel. Seventy five hundred is so cheap. He's my top overall play at the tight end position. If you gotta go down to that next chunk, really close for me between a guy like Jared Cook. Um, and, and of course, Vernon Davis, but I'm kind of operating under the assumption right now that Jordan Reed won't play. If Reed plays, this changes, uh, but Vernon Davis for me is the guy that I do want to throw in there. Uh, so it's interesting that like, if I'm going to take a shot with the Washington offense, it's either Crowder as a cheap receiver or Vernon Davis as a cheap tight end. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, you know, for me, top overall play easily Travis Kelsey. Uh, that's going to be a spot. I'm going to want to pivot a little bit off of how ironic would it be if, all these weeks, the Giants are giving up these touchdowns to tight ends, and Travis Kelsey doesn't get into the end zone. I think that would be hilarious, and I think it could be definitely possible. Yeah, there's probably an angle to fade him, but the price on FanDuel just made it pretty much impossible for me to it, ignore him. Yeah, and, and so you know, I'm on the same page with you. He's my top overall play. And Jared Cook, Vernon Davis, uh, especially if no read, those are my sort of mid-range cheap guys. Um, I don't really have a fade. Obviously, I'm going to have to take a stand at some point. Um, I don't want to say that I'm going to fade Gronk. He's just not my primary target there. Uh, and then my sneaky low percentage guy going back to the well for the third street week, uh, Cameron Bray. I'm going to say Hunter Henry for my low percentage guy. Gronk would be the one I would fade, but there aren't enough good options to fade one this week. They're, they're just they're all kind of like priced appropriately in spots that yep. I, I feel good about. So, yeah, not a heavy fade pull for me on any of those tight ends. Uh, Gronk being the most expensive probably gets the, the least amount of ownership from me. Looking at the defenses, top play, I think, is the Jags. It's priced that way. I mean, they got it right. 5600 probably going to be worth it. The cheaper play that I like, though, the Chargers. I think the Chargers can be solid this week. I mean, I think with Buffalo starting Nathan Peterman, that's going to be a spot where turnovers are, are likely if the Chargers can build up a lead especially and they make Peterman throw it a lot even better like that's what I'm kind of hoping happens so maybe maybe the combination to go with is like a Melvin Gordon Chargers D combo oh yeah I'm gonna have one of those for sure I like that idea uh, and then Chargers also 11 sacks over their last three games um, playing playing against some um, some solid opponents there so um, yeah definitely in play it's interesting um in the same price range, I think one can consider the Saints as well for 4500 4, Um Kirk Cousins doesn't necessarily throw a lot of picks, but uh, I think I think one um, could could definitely um, absolutely happen this week. Uh, 
And then the other team that I like that I'm very interested in as well for 5,100, the Kansas City Chiefs, um, just somebody that I'm always kind of, you know, looking at and playing. And to me, the you know, home versus road doesn't necessarily matter. Um, I like them in this matchup against Eli Manning and uh, basically a bet against McAdoo. See, I'm, I'm fading the Chiefs because they're on the road and I, I just think the Chiefs defense is bad. Like it's, it's I'm I think the price at 5,100 is a little high if they were like a. I don't know, maybe a forty-three hundred dollars defense or something. I'd see it, but I just don't want to yeah. pay that much for a team that hasn't put up a lot of points. But you, the Giants have implosion potential, so I, I would probably say it's a cash fade, a GPP maybe. I guess is the most precise way to break it down. Uh, sneaky low for me. How about Arizona? Are they yeah. sneaky going up against Tom Savage? I mean, Houston people are going to go after them because of the the Blaine Gabbert thing. But I think the better play of the two defenses actually is the Cardinals, even though they're on the road in this one. Yeah, Cardinals are actually my um, yeah, sort of mid-range play. Um, I didn't even know if they were going to be that sneaky. I figured they'd be among the top four owned this week. So definitely something that I'm interested in. Um, and then just one sort of against the grain play. And this is actually the team with the second most uh, defensive special teams points uh, on the slate. And that's the L.A. Rams. Uh, kind of a team that no one's really going to be thinking about because they are in the road on the road at Minnesota because Case Keenum looked so good. But, um, you know, basically the Vikings coaching staff is just waiting for their chance to pull Keenum just so they can get their boy Teddy Bridgewater in the mix. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. I, I think with Keenum, though, I don't know. I, I think the weapons around him are pretty, pretty darn good. Like, I, I think that's what kind of makes his floor safe. So I wasn't thinking about picking on uh, the Vikings with the Rams defense and the Rams. I, I still, I, I still know what to make of them. Like they're, they're soft against the run, but they're good against mm-hmm. the pass. If Minnesota runs it well, they could just be protecting the lead. And that could also help Keenum not have one of those disaster sort of games. But Hey, stranger things have happened. I mean, case Keenum, if, if, if someone called case Keenum safe two years ago, we all would have laughed at him. So yeah, I'm probably Goff, an idiot. Goff versus Keenum, man. I can't, can't wait. The world can't wait for this matchup. I, a year ago, I mean, that would have been just a totally shocking statement. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of the Rotowire DFS podcast. Vlad, it's been a pleasure stepping in. Good luck to you this week, and uh, hopefully we'll get to do it again sometime before the end of the season. Sounds good. Good luck, everybody, this week. All right, good luck, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you want to leave us a nice rating and review, we'd greatly appreciate that. We'll have uh, Joe and John with you on Friday. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.